with today. And I think the Lord has prepared our hearts. Amen. I'm going to be reading today from Galatians chapter 3. And I promise I realize the Spirit has moved and I don't want to keep plowing through something, but I believe the Lord has something He wants to speak to us today that He wants to challenge us with. I keep harking back to it. A few weeks of Sunday school uh, when we talked about the Spirit of the Lord moving and the Holy Ghost unwrapping the gift in your life. And it's been a challenge to me. I hope it was a challenge to you, but I've continued to be challenged in my own life about what, what the Holy Ghost wants to do in and through me. And I came across this passage when I was studying and I just uh, uh, put it in my back pocket for a few weeks later. And I believe the Lord wants to speak this to us today, a warning and a challenge to us. And I believe that His Spirit is here for us to receive the Word, to respond to the Word, and to let the Word have its way today. Amen. I want to read from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish? Now, I... It's King James Version, so it's flowered up really nice, like a preacher would. But Paul's just saying, how dumb are you? Are, are, you that, are you that goofy? Are you that ignorant? He says, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And I believe the Spirit is challenging us. I know the Spirit of the Lord has been moving, not just this week, but in the last several weeks, God has been challenging us. And I feel at this moment in time as the Spirit is trying to do something within this church that God wants to remind us something and it's this. Don't forget how you started. Don't forget how you started. I want us to pray this morning that the Lord would open our ears to hear His voice today. Lord Jesus, we come before You. Lord, we're so thankful for Your touch, Lord, for Your Spirit, Your power which is in this place. Lord, we're thankful for the work that You've already done, God. Lord, that you have already moved and transformed somebody's life today, God. We thank you and praise you for that. And Lord, I ask you to anoint our ears this morning to hear your word today. To receive from you today what you would speak to us, Lord. We give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. Don't forget how you started. Paul uses this analogy of a race several times throughout his writings. He speaks... Of a race. He challenges us to run the race in such a way that you and I will win. He challenges us to press toward the mark of the, for the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. And of course we know in some of his final words to his uh, friend Timothy, he remarks on how he has run the course set before him. He has fought the good fight. He has finished the course before him. And we know that he, is, he uses this analogy several times. And it's one that's useful to you and I when we begin to think about our walk with the Lord. That it's a race, that it's something that we must endure, it's something that we are all in. Other verses in Scripture, they challenge us to run with patience our course. Others remind us that this race is not just about your placement in the race, but it's about 
finishing in the race. And I know Paul says to press ahead, to, to strive to obtain. And I think simply what he means is you don't have to come in first, but just don't quit. Keep running. Even though others may seem to be passing you by, other verses tell us it's not about what place you finish, but you just need to cross that finish line. I think it's important that we need to be reminded of that today. That we do not need to quit so short of the finish line. If we believe that these are the end times. If we believe that His return is imminent. Why in the world would you quit now? Why would you give up now? Why would you let life overtake you now? Why would you let the enemy have his way in your life? I want to challenge you to keep running. To keep enduring. It doesn't matter who's gone before. It doesn't matter how they ran the race. How quick they are. How many prayers they had answered how much they did you just need to get across the finish line this morning you just need to cross and run your race this morning I ran a few races in my time that's a long time ago now age is beginning to set in the the spirit and the mind are willing but the flesh is down now definitely weak I had a moment of clarity. I was playing soccer a few weeks ago, and there was uh, some of those guys that I know I should be able to keep up with, but they just—they uh, still have time to work out and do all that stuff. And there was a, just a definite moment. I used to be able to chase, chase back, you know. I used to have speed on my side, so I could mess up and still, you know, recover. I was running with a guy. He was on the other team. I was running with him, and he'd, I'd miss the angle, and I'm running down the field, and there came just a moment of clarity as everything began to burn, and my lungs quit working, and I said out loud, I'm too old for this. And I just stopped. I stopped. <laughs> but when you run a race, they always tell you when, when you run a race, it doesn't and five steps before the finish line. In fact, there's, you can get on YouTube and see compilations of people that celebrated too early. They always tell you you run through the finish line. You don't stop when you see it coming. And I want to challenge somebody today. Don't slow down because you think the line's coming up. No, you need to keep running through the finish line this morning. You don't quit until the line is crossed. You keep on going. I know it may get difficult. I know it may get rough. But you need to keep running the race this morning morning and in this verse that we read we don't find a direct statement about a race but we can get the idea the sense from the way that Paul uses uh, uh, the analogies that he may have had this in the back of his mind when he challenges the Galatians to not forget how they started if you would don't forget how you started the race it could be kind of like a halftime speech that he's giving here in the middle of the game and he's saying don't forget the things that got you here don't forget the things that started you out on this he wants to remind them of why they're even here in the first place he sees that something has been lost or that something is close to being lost and he wants them to take a few moments to look back at how they started this whole journey out. And the very first thing he wants to do is remind them that this is most definitely a spirit thing. This has nothing to do with the flesh, but it is all about the spirit. And I think the spirit has reminded us today and in the last few weeks that it is the spirit that has control of us. It's the spirit that should have control in the church. It's a warning to the church to remember that it's only by the spirit and the power of God that we can do anything. And I think we would do well this morning to remember the words of Zechariah. 
Zechariah when he said, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And I seem to be mentioning that verse a lot over the last several weeks, but I just want to remind someone, it has nothing to do with your might. It has nothing to do with your power. But it's only by the Holy Ghost that anything can happen in this place. And I know we realize that and we experience the power of the Holy Ghost, but the challenge for me is do my actions demonstrate that I know that it's only by His Spirit that anything happens? Or do my actions demonstrate that I still sometimes think it's my might and my power that does what takes place in a service? You see, I wonder how many times we do things in our own selves. I wonder how many times we actually rely on our own ability, our own talents, what we bring to the table. And I think it would do us well this morning to remember that it has nothing to do with what I bring to the table. The Lord can take anything that I bring, but it's only by His Spirit. It's only by His power that anything good happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was with you in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And there was a reason for that, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know what? I'm perfectly fine with God moving whenever He wants. He already has in this service. I'm perfectly fine with God interrupting anything because I don't want anyone to think that it's my words, that it's the song's words, that it's the service leader's words, or anything else that's happening. No, I want a demonstration of the Spirit. I want a demonstration of power every time I gather together in His presence. Oh, come on. I want the power of God in this place every time we gather together. I don't want people to come to this church and think, my, what great music they have. My, what a great choir that is. My, what wonderful preaching that is. My, how friendly those people are. But they leave unsure if they have ever experienced God. No, I want there to be a demonstration of the Spirit and power that affects every person that walks through the doors. And I'm not just talking about the preaching. I want from the moment they open a door and they see a greeter, they feel the power of the Holy Ghost hit them. And they don't know what it is, but they know they've got to have something. I want them to feel it from the greeters to the music, all the way to the preaching, to the altar. And the only way that happens is when it's the Spirit and the power of God. I know we've got to practice, we have to prepare, but when I'm relying strictly on what I have done, on my preparation, and it doesn't include getting a hold of the Spirit of God, then there's a problem. Because I can't practice my way to a move of God. I can't prepare my way to a move of God. I've got to pray my way to a move of God. I've got to remember how I started. In Galatians chapter 5, he says, you did run well. He says, there was a point that you were running well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion, this idea that you have, cometh not of him that calleth you. What is persuading you now is not the same thing that first gave you the call. What is persuading you now is not the same Holy Ghost that you received. The one who called you to preach is not the one that's persuading you now that you may not be called. The one who called you to be used by Him in some way, that's not the same voice that's telling you you're no longer fit to serve Him. The one that called you to be a Sunday school teacher 
It's not the same voice that you're hearing now that's telling you, you know what? Maybe you can do it on your talent, on your ability. That's not the voice of the Spirit. You see, the only reason that He ever spoke to you, the only reason that He ever called you, the only, ever, the only reason that He ever filled you with the Holy Ghost is because He saw an empty vessel that He could flow through. He saw somebody who was willing to empty themselves and say, Lord, it's not my way, but I've got to have your way. Lord, it's not my ability, it's not my talents, but it's only by your Spirit. You see, I can't ever forget that no matter how great I think I may be, no matter how wonderful accolades may come my way, I am nothing more than just a vessel in the potter's hands. I am nothing more than just some clay in the potter's hands. And I must have His Spirit for anything to happen in this place. We need His Spirit in our lives. And Paul asked them, he said, Do you really think that you can be made perfect through the flesh? And I know when we think of flesh, and it's used many ways in Scripture, that flesh speaks of something sinful, something that, that has taken us far from God. And yet in this instance, it doesn't mean that they are far from God. Remember, he's writing to the church at Galatia. Never forget, a lot of those books you read, you think they're to dirty, rotten sinners, they're written to the church. And he says there's flesh in the church. And it simply means this, to make for oneself an end by devoting yourself to the flesh, so that means you gradually begin to think about your flesh more. And here it is, losing the Holy Spirit and giving yourself up to the control of the flesh. He says you are in a state of gradually losing the Holy Ghost. Of gradually allowing the flesh to begin to control you. And he's not speaking to sin necessarily. But I believe it can lead to it as we diminish the Spirit of God working in our lives. But this is stating that we think... That we can continue to run the race even as the Spirit is diminishing in our lives. You know what that means? That means that I can come into service and I can worship God and I can play a part and I can clap my... You know what? I've been in church a long time. You know what? I can probably be checking Facebook and still say amen when I'm supposed to. Maybe I'll try it. I know when I'm supposed to clap. Except that one time when I messed up. I think it was here at some point. And the preacher said, I thought he was going to say, aren't you glad you're going to heaven? And I said, yes. But he said, aren't you glad you're not going? Or you're, what did he say? Something about, you're on your way to hell. And I said, yes. <laughs> Should have listened a little bit more. I was preempting the preacher. But you can come to church, you can come into service, you can worship, you can lift your hands, you can clap your hands. And all the while, the Spirit has a diminishing influence in my life. But to everybody else, it still looks like I'm running the race. And don't lie and say you haven't been there. You've been in those moments when it seems like you're far from God, and perhaps you actually are far from God. And you came into church and nobody knew it. They thought it was great. In fact, you worshiped just a little bit harder, clapped a little bit harder so nobody would know. And yet the whole time the Spirit of God is diminishing slowly in your life. That means that I can get up and I can be on a praise team and I can sing all the right part. I can hit every note just right and yet there's more of my flesh operating than my spirit. That means I can teach a Sunday school class because I've got all the material right there. And I can come up with some cool craft and all the kids love it and there be not an ounce of the spirit in there. 
That means I can get up and preach and I can copy off the internet and as long as I just give the right delivery, no one may ever even know. And people can leave blessed and touched because it's the Word of God. And yet the Spirit of God diminishes in my life. And because it comes off fine, we take it as approval from God Himself. Well, I didn't really pray that much this week and it came off alright, so maybe that's the new quota. Well, I didn't really read that lesson until Saturday night. And it came off fine. Well, maybe I'll just start reading it Saturday night. I didn't even know what songs we were singing until I came to practice. Anyway. And Paul says, all ye foolish Galatians. All ye foolish Galatians. He says, yeah, it'll still work for a while. I'll never forget it was Brother Jeff Arnold. He made the statement, just don't ever forget that the prodigal son still had the father's inheritance for a while. He still had the blessings of the Father's house while he was in the world. Just because it's still working through you, just because the Spirit of God is still moving, does not mean that I'm fully in the will of God. That means that I can come here and do what I'm supposed to do and the Spirit be diminished. He says, who has bewitched or who has charmed you? The word comes from a root word meaning affirmation or fascination. He says, who has begun to fascinate you? What has grabbed your attention in your life that has caused you to think you can do this without God? What has grabbed a hold of you that makes you think you don't need more of God now than you did yesterday? You don't need more of God now than when you first received the Holy Ghost. He says, who's affirming you? Who's charming you? Who's making you think you can do this in and of yourself? In fact, he says, my interpretation, because back in that day, they still believed in the evil eye. Anyone ever got the evil eye before? You let the trash stay in the house a little too long and it stinks and you get the evil eye. I told you to take that out three weeks ago. Hopefully it's not that bad. But they still believed in the evil eye that you could receive the evil eye. In fact, Paul says it has another meaning. He says not only has it fascinated you, but he says the idea is so ridiculous that you think you can do anything of God without God. He says maybe it's crazy enough you think somebody's cast the evil eye upon you. That, that it, it, it has to be a charm. It has to be magic that's bewitched you because no one logically think it would ever think that I can continue doing what God wants me to do without His Spirit. And I believe the Spirit is challenging us today. Don't forget how you started. I know there's people coming. I know there's visitors. I know there's services happening. But I just want to warn you. Don't ever forget that it's only by the Spirit of God. It's only by the power of God. There's nothing in ourselves that can do anything. And the Spirit challenged me. And I'm, I'm hurrying. The Spirit challenged me to begin to think how did we start? How did we start? How did this church start? The other day I was going through, you used to go through your files and look at all your stuff. I went through my external hard drive the other day. Began looking at things and I found, found some videos on there. Videos of, of when we did a campaign to raise money for this building. And I interviewed all the old people. Gary and Judy were on there. Brother and Sister Pate were on there. Marvin and Mana. I think old, old Brother Mike Donnelly was on there even. 
see those pictures and they look so different when they had hair. <laughs> Not even sure if it's really them. Old brother Mike and old sister Betty were on there. As I looked at those, I was reminded of why we even made those videos. Because it was to talk about the sacrifice. And I'm not here to start a capital campaign. I know our minds go to money when I begin to say sacrifice. But I want to remind this church that this was a church that started in sacrifice. Yeah, there was sacrifices of finances. But there was a sacrifice of time. There was sacrifice of energy, effort. And it concerns me. It concerns me when, I, when, I, when, I, when I, it seems that there's a drop in sacrifice. And again, I'm not just talking about money. I believe the Spirit wants to speak to us today. This church started in sacrifice. Sacrifice is in this church's DNA. It was part of how this church started. And let me remind you that it's how this church will finish is in sacrifice. I want to ask you, who's bewitched you? Who's caught your fascination this morning? What has your fascination that's made you want to take your time? That's made you want to take your attention, your finances, your effort away from the work of God onto other things? You can't finish the race differently than when you started it, the way you started it. God has called this church, it's in the DNA of this church, to be a church that sacrifices. And you can see the sacrifice to missions. You can see the sacrifices as people's blood, sweat, and tears are in this place. You can see lives that have been touched by sacrifices that people have made in this place. And I want to challenge this church this morning. I believe that the Spirit has a challenge for us today. To don't forget the sacrifice is still a part of the race. I'm here not just to challenge those old people. Because you know what? I've got videos that show their sacrifice. That I can hear about their sacrifice. But I'm here to challenge a new generation. I'm here to challenge a younger generation. Maybe you don't know how this race started. But I'm going to tell you this morning, young people. It started in sacrifices. It started with paychecks laid on the altar. It started with getting off work and coming to the church and doing things. Come on, this church started in sacrifice, and I know times are different. I know that's a bunch of old people, and they've got money and retirement and nothing but time now. But let me remind you that when those sacrifices were made, no, they didn't. <laughs> it's easy to forget, Gary and Judy were young once. It's easy to forget that all those sacrifices they're talking about and laying paychecks on the altar was not their retirement or Social Security or some bonus they got. No, they were the same age and younger than me. They were in their 30s. They were young people. They had small children. They had mouths to feed. They had bills just like we do. And yet I can use it as an excuse. I don't have time. My family, this, that, my bills. I've got to work more. No, this church was founded upon sacrifice. And I'm calling a new generation to remember how this church was started. Don't forget what the Spirit called this church to do. And I know when I begin to talk that way, people begin to think, well, how can I add the church to my schedule? And I've said it many times before. The scripture challenges us that we might have to redeem our time because the days are evil. I'm not asking you to put the church on your schedule. I'm asking you to clear your schedule of some stuff so the church can get on it. I might have to quit some stuff in my life. I might have to buy back some time in my life so that I can do what God is asking me to do. 
You see, I wonder what would happen if I all of a sudden had time to do what God was asking me to do. But I don't have time for that. I've got stuff to do. I've got people to see. I've got my job. I've got this. I've got that. And you know what? Before I realize it, I'm walking my walk with God. And the Spirit's no longer in it because I don't even have time for it anymore. I don't know. Should I just wade right in? The old people said, go for it. Sorry, Sister Joyce said it. You know what? I don't often get very specific, but I think I will today. You know what? It bothers me. There's people on a chair schedule. I have to set up chairs once every three months. And you're too busy to do it. I know you didn't get the schedule in time. This, that. I know there's a bunch of stuff. But that bothers me. When I can't sacrifice an hour on a Saturday once every three months to set up chairs. This church was not built on that. And you know what? It, it makes me mad. I start whistling when there's a church cleaning day. And the next youngest person to me is 50 years old. I didn't say it was too old. I just said the next youngest. It bothers me. When young people and young adults can't show up for things and there's all the old people here. And I have to do everything upstairs because they can't make it up the stairs. See, that bothers me though. Because you know what? I get ticked off too sometimes on a Saturday night and I know it's my turn to set up chairs. I'm not just sitting around every Saturday night studying the Word, waiting to set up chairs. I got stuff I'm doing too. And you know what? I forget too. And I'm like, man, I got something planned. You know what? I might have to sacrifice that every so often. I might have to sacrifice my flesh every so often. And I'm not talking about these big sinful things. I'm talking about practically right now. The Spirit wants to speak to us because you know what? We can come and we can have great church and I'm thankful for the Spirit moving. But it's my walk with God. I've got to walk in the Spirit every single day. And any time I begin to walk in the flesh and my desires begin to take over what I need to do for the kingdom of God, what the Spirit is calling me to do, I'm nuts. How can I be so foolish to think I can live my life in the flesh and God still bless my life, that His Spirit still flowed through me? Come on, God's calling us to get back to sacrifice. This church started in sacrifice. Don't forget how you started. This church started in prayer. Don't forget how it started. I'm not going to wade into everything that took place 30 years ago, but I do know what happened the first few times people met together. They didn't, they didn't meet together and practice their first song they were going to sing. They didn't have a vote to see who was going to preach his first sermon. They got together and prayed. Started in prayer. Let me just say, if you think we can start some program, we can win this city, we've got some great idea that's going to just change this community, you're wrong. If you think our music, and I'm thankful for our music, and Sister Sherry, I'm thankful for all the stuff our music does. I'm thankful for the practice and everything. But you know what? The music is not going to win our city. 
If you think we can be the friendliest church and God's Spirit will move because we're just so friendly, that's not right. And I believe in being friendly and hospitable. But you know what? We can't win friends and influence people enough to revival in this community. This church was started in prayer. It's been confirmed to our pastor that prayer is the key to this city. And this church is going to finish in prayer. If you think this church can make it any other way outside of prayer, then you are wrong. And let me just say, if you're not on board with that, then you have missed God's call for this church. If you're not on board with prayer, then you are missing God's call for this church. Because God has called this church to prayer. And His Spirit is speaking to us today saying, don't forget how you started the race. Don't forget that it was in prayer. Don't forget that it was a prayer meeting that started everything. Don't forget that it's not by your might or your power, but it's by my Spirit. Let me just say, if you're feeling disenfranchised, if you're feeling like you're not a part because nobody's asked you to do anything or nobody talks to you or nobody does this or that. Well, just let me say, if you have any complaints this morning, Brother Gene's the pastor. You can complain to him. If you're feeling that way, no, don't go see him. Don't go see him. You're saying you don't feel like a part and you've never showed up at Monday night prayer? This church was called to prayer. You've never darkened the doors of the kids' church room, the war room on a Sunday morning. You've never showed up for Monday night prayer. And then you say, I don't feel like I'm a part. I don't feel like anyone cares about me. You know what? That's because prayer is in the DNA of this church. And if you want to get in the DNA of this church, if you want to feel a part of this church, then why don't you pray with this church? Because that's what this church is about. And don't forget it. Let me tell you. You may say the church has all kind of cliques and this and that, but let me tell you, on a Monday night in the sanctuary, there's not a click there. Why don't you come pray on Monday night? And why don't you feel the presence of God? Remember what I said, all complaints go over here. Prayers for everyone. And if prayer is the call to this church and you aren't involved with it, Maybe that's why you don't feel like you're a part of the church. Can I just say it very bluntly? Because if you're not part of prayer, you're not with this church. Because we've been called to prayer. We've been called to prayer. I used this analogy before, but what, 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 if, what if Brother Gene got up one Sunday and said, the Lord spoke to him and said, this mic stand, God spoke to me and said, revival is here. But for revival to happen, this mic stand must be in this spot every, every Sunday, every service. It has to be here. If this mic stand is not here, God's not going to move in service. Now, that seems a little strange. He says some strange things. That seems a little strange. What if you walked into service one day and the mic stand was up here? Think you'd move it back? Well, it's, it's not my place. No, if you want revival to happen, you'd move it back. See, the problem is that's tangible. Many times my prayers seem intangible. 
Seems like nothing's happening. But you know what? No less than that, than that mic stand being set right there. We've been told prayer is the key to this city. If we run revival, it's not some great Sunday school program. It's not the music. You know what? If prayer's the key, then what do I need to do? I need to find the mic stand. I need to find prayer. And I need to put it in my life. I need to make it a part of my DNA. I can't forget how I started this race. God is calling us to prayer in a way that I'm not sure that we realize. But I want to get on board with what God's doing. Because if I want revival in this community, if I want to see God's blessings on this church, I must pray. I must be involved with prayer. God is challenging us. He's asking us, how did you start? Are you so foolish to think that revival is going to come outside of prayer? Do you think it's going to come outside of sacrifice? Do you think it's going to finish some way when I gave you the start of the race? I'm trying to finish quickly. How did it start personally for you and I? A few things that I felt God challenged us with in my own life. When I started my race, I started in freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then verse 4. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith God hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. He says, stand fast in the liberty. Never forget that you started this race in freedom. You started this race in liberty. And if you are in bondage this morning, that's not how you started the race. That's not what happened when God filled you with the Holy Ghost. No, whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And I need to stand fast in the liberty that God gave me. That means if, he, if, he, if I felt that He healed me, I need to stand fast and believe in that healing. If God delivered me and I felt like He delivered me from some addiction, I stand fast in the liberty that He did set me free. I'm not going to be bound by anything. I'm not going to let anything overtake me again. No, I'm going to stand in the freedom that Jesus Christ brought into my life. He says, you're trying to go back to your former selves despite the liberty, despite the freedom. And when you decide to go back to your old way, when you decide to take away that freedom that God has given you, He says, you're falling from grace. And you know what? I need His grace every single day. I need His mercy every single day. So I'm going to stand fast and believe that God has set me free, that He's filled me with His Spirit, and I stand in freedom today. He says, you've taken the law. He says, you've made this and you've got all this stuff and, and you've just gone back to your old ways. I'm here to challenge somebody today that God did not call you to your old ways. He did not fill you with the Holy Ghost so you could go backwards. No, He set you free. You need to stand fast in the freedom that Jesus Christ gave you. Galatians chapter 4 verse 9, But now after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? How in the world do you think you can go back to the things that bound you and then say, I'm walking in the Spirit. Say, I can continue in the race. No, I'm challenging somebody today. He put you in freedom. He placed you in a position of freedom. So I'm not going back to anything. I'm not going back to anything that I was pulled from in my life. 
I'm here to remind you that this race did not start in addiction. This race did not start in depression. This race did not start in loneliness. No, it started in freedom. It started in liberty. He started this race and you were a son. And don't let the enemy, don't let your flesh persuade you that you are anything less than a child of God and that you are free. You started in freedom. You started in victory. So continue your race that way today. We started in faith. We started in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek Him. This race wouldn't have started unless you believed that God was. That He is. Never would have started. You can't start the race and not believe in God. And you can't start the race unless you believe that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. That means that when I came to an altar and repented, I had to believe that He would reward my repentance with forgiveness. That means that when I went down in the waters of baptism, I had to believe that as I was crucifying the old man, he would reward me as I came up a new man. That means I had to believe that he's a rewarder. That when I say, Lord, I can't do it on my own anymore. I need your spirit in my life. That he rewarded me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's how I started this race. And I want to challenge you again this morning. The spirit is telling you, don't forget that I reward those that diligently seek me. That I am a rewarder. And there's people. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you prayed prayers. But don't forget, you started this journey believing that He will reward those that diligently seek Him. So I'm here to challenge you. Don't quit praying. Don't quit seeking. Don't quit asking Him. Don't quit trusting in His promises. Because I believe that He still is a rewarder. Hebrews 4 verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, here's the danger when I begin to run my race and faith begins to fade away. That means, what this verse means is I can come to church. I can listen to sermons. I can listen to the best, to the best preacher there is out there. I can, my favorite preacher, I can have the top ten one every Sunday. And I can come in this place and hear every single one of those. And I can leave unchanged. I can leave and say I didn't hear from God. Because there's no faith mixed with it. You see it's not enough just to have the word of God. I've got to have it mixed with faith. I started this race with faith in my life. And the problem is, is life we know throws us all kinds of stuff. Circumstances come our way. And I would venture to say that there's people in this room today. That you haven't necessarily mixed faith anymore. Into the word of God. You approach the Word of God now with your hurt. You approach the Word of God with your bitterness. You approach your Word of God with your skepticism, with your doubt. And it's no wonder that you don't get anything out of a service. Do you remember the days when you just used to believe what the preacher said? I'm skeptical. I'm sarcastic. I like to take what someone says and tear it apart. Take the little gnat and strain it out and then swallow the camel. Remember when I used to just believe what the preacher said? When he said, you know what, you can be healed, and I believed him. When he said, you know what, your kids can be saved, and I believed him. When I believed, I just believed that he was going to make a way despite no matter what happened. But you know what, life's happened to me since. I've had hurt and disappointment in my life. And now I approach the word of God, is it with faith 
Or is it with my past experiences? Is it with my doubt? Is it with skepticism? No, I'm challenging you today that if His Word says it, then that's good enough for me. That if His Word says it, I'm going to believe it this morning. I'm going to mix faith with the Word of God today. And believe and trust in Him. The last thing I believe we started in is passion. Is passion. See, in that moment, when I received the Holy Ghost in my life, in that moment, to receive the Holy Ghost, I had to give my all. You can't give the Holy Ghost with just a part of you given to the Lord. Despite the fact they may be, one may be saying, give it, one may be saying, take it, one may be saying, pull it, one may be saying, push it. All I know is that you just have to give it all to Him. And in that moment when I'd given it all to Him, nothing was too difficult. Nothing was too hard. And I received the Holy Ghost when I was a child, but there's been moments since, if you would, where I got refilled. Boy, I needed it a lot. And in those moments, to get what I needed, I had to give my all. But when I gave my all, there was a passion within me. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 2 says, Go... And crying the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee. I'm thankful he remembers me, first of all. But he says, I remember the kindness of thy youth. He says, I remember the love of thine espousals. When thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Basically, the Lord says to Israel, I remember when we were still dating. Remember those days? All the women say, yeah, those are long gone. Those days when it wasn't too far to walk around the front or the back of the car to open the door. Get it yourself. Not really. When they're shocked that the door's open for them, you're like, oh, I just forgot something in the side pocket, actually. (laughs) Those days when you said all the right words, when you were willing to do anything, When the check came at the restaurant, you just paid it. You didn't sit there and itemize it in front of her. Like you do now. I said $4.96 and you charged me $4.99. You gladly paid the extra four or five cents. Three cents. God says, I remember those days. This verse challenges me. I remember when you used to say, I'd, I'd do anything for you, Lord. At the start of the race, when you said, Lord, I'm willing to give my all. Willing, uh, Lord, I'm willing to do anything for you. In fact, he says, you even went after me in the wilderness times. Even in the times that were rough, you still went after me. But now in the wilderness times, we wonder where he is. We think He's left us. We think He's forsaken us. We begin to be fascinated by other things in the wilderness times because God's not working anymore. But He says, even in the wilderness, you went after me. In a land that was not sown. In a land that required work and effort. There was no harvest that was seen. I'm here to remind you, don't lose your passion in the wilderness times. 
I'm here to remind you that the race started with those espousals to God, with those commitments to God, with those proclamations of love to God. But now as time goes by, they begin to fade. Now as the race becomes a little bit more difficult, they begin to fade. But you know what? God has not left. God has not quit, quit on me. In fact, the verse says that he should, uh, the song says he should get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. That means I should love the Lord now more than ever before. You know what, young people, it's not, it's not the time to fade away now. It's not the time to, to, to turn from God now. I know there may be moments as a young adult, as a young person, that it seems like you're walking through the wilderness times, that you're far from God or that He seems far from you. But I'm here to challenge you. Don't forget how you started. Don't lose the passion that you once had. Don't lose the dedication and the commitment that you once had. I'm here to challenge young marrieds. I'm here to challenge middle aid and even some of those young at heart folks. Don't forget the passion you once had. I'm not saying you have to do it the same way, but the passion still needs to be there. The commitment still needs to be there. I'm not going to finish the race half-heartedly. No, I'm going to finish the race with everything I have. I'm going to keep pushing until the very end and I'm going to do it because I'm reminded this morning that while the race may get difficult for me that while I may think I'm running alone sometimes that he hasn't quit the race Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ no he's still working on me no he's still moving in my life he hasn't quit on me so I'm going to keep running he hasn't quit speaking to me he hasn't quit making away so I'm going to keep pressing on in my life he promises that he will keep working in me from start to finish he hasn't quit from the start when he first spoke to you in your life he still loves he's still working he's still faithful he's still seeking after you he's still interceding on your behalf I can't blame him for how I'm running and I close this morning I apologize for being longer Close with Revelation chapter 2. The music will come. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things hath, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. He's writing to a church, remember? And he's saying there's a lot of good stuff happening. He says, I know your works. You're doing good stuff. I know your labor. You're still plugging away. I know your patience. There's people that are among you that I've spoke to them, and they haven't seen promises fulfilled, and they're still patiently expecting God to move. You can't bear those which are evil. You don't have a bunch of false teachers. You're not allowing sin just to run rampant amongst you. You've tried those which say they're apostles, and if they're not, you've just called them liars. You've borne and has patience. That means life has come your way, and you are enduring. And for my name's sake, that, they haven't forgot about God. Now it's labored, and you haven't fainted. Sounds like a good church to be a part of. Honestly, sounds like a bunch of faithful people. 
But he throws this in. I've somewhat against thee because I was left by first love. You forgot how you started. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Just don't forget how you started. I feel like I'm speaking to that group of people. Man, there's some good, good people in this place. There's faithful people in this place. You've endured through stuff. And you stand here today. I've seen you lift your hands when you have no, no earthly reason to lift your hands. It's not that I'm preaching to a bunch of sinners. I'm trying to convince you that you're really awful and you need to come to the altar. But I feel the Spirit telling us today, in the midst of what the Spirit of God's been doing in this place, remember my first love. God's called this church to sacrifice. He's called us to prayer. He's called us to walk in freedom, not in bondage. He's called us to faith, to believe. I used to believe such great things, but life seems to have a way of just chipping away at those things. He's called us to believe again. Remember where you came from, where you started. I'm not talking about just recapturing a feeling that you felt at an altar. No. Verse 5 though, he says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Do the first things. Or else I'll come to thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of thy place, except thou repent. I'm not asking you just to recapture a feeling. Just remember that moment when you received the Holy Ghost. No, but I'm asking you to remember the fervor, the zeal that once gripped your soul. Remember the passion. Remember the commitment. Remember the desire that was once the core to your existence. And really... Here's what we need to do. Repent from that which has caught my fascination. I can be fascinated by the programs of the church. I can be fascinated by preaching. I can be fascinated by the music. I can be fascinated by my family, by my work. The list is endless. And it becomes like a spell in my life. But God's challenging us today to remember None of those things is how you started the race. Not one of those. It was only by the Spirit of God. When you start a race, if you decide that you're still dumb enough to run a race, naturally. The very start of the race is the moment you've seen them on starting blocks. I did consider getting down, but I don't know if I can get back up. I'm already at that point. Demonstrating on the starting blocks. But if you see someone start, oh, I've got a good idea. I'll pretend I'm on the ground and use the pulpit. Pretend you're on the starting blocks. Your hands are down. You've got your knee on the ground. They say on your marks, you raise your knee up. You're ready. You're looking down. Marks, set, get ready. You're still looking down. Go. When he says go, I'm still looking down. Because at the start of the race, it's very important to get your footwork right. It's very important that you're, you're focused completely on what you're doing in that moment. That you're off the starting blocks, 
that you're staying in your lane for the first part. And even in the 100 meters, for the first 30 to 40 meters, if you watch runners run like this, then they lift their heads. I feel like we have the tendency to do just the opposite. See, when I got the Holy Ghost, it was all about Him. And it should be. He transformed my life. Spiritually, I'd walk around like this. I was running like this. I don't do that anymore. But then things happen. Then sickness comes. Heartache comes. I get hurt by some people. You know what begins to happen? I start to look down. You know why you look up after a while? Because you want to see the finish line. That's the whole point. You want to see the finish line. You start like this and then you look up and you see the finish line. I'm here to challenge some people today that have lowered their heads. Look up and see the finish line. Don't forget how you started. You see, before the race, I've stood there before. And I know I'm probably not going to win the race. I know that guy looks a lot better. I think I can beat him. But I don't know. There's this mixture of, I've trained for this, I've worked for this, there's all this going on. But those feelings somehow get lost in the middle of the race. Because I see what's happening. But scripture challenges you and I, don't forget how you started. It was only by the Spirit of God. I'm challenging you to lift your eyes once more. Despite what life has done to bow your head, lift your eyes once more. And I just felt I was actually pulling into church today, and I'm going way over, so I, I'm, I apologize. I was pulling into church this morning, and I just felt impressed. It was the Lord that made me go longer. Impressed to say this at the end. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Now I want you to watch this. This is not talking about people aren't going to make fun of God. He says, For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That means all those years when they sowed in a land that was a wilderness. God's not going to be mocked. It's going to come to pass. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap of the flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He that finishes the way he started, spirit to spirit, is going to reap life everlasting. And then he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And I don't know why, but I just felt to add this. Because I don't want it to be a blanket statement that I feel like I'm doing everything and nobody's doing anything. It's not what I'm saying this morning. If you leave that thinking that, then you missed it. But I just felt to remind those that you're working, you're running the race, don't faint. In fact, Scripture tells us when you've done everything to do, just stand. Just stand. And I just felt to add this on today, that if you're feeling faint today, the years of prayer may be wearing on you, I keep praying for the same thing. The years of work may be wearing on you. 
I've just been plugging away in the kingdom. The burden of something may be wearing on you. But I'm here to encourage you today to simply summon up the strength to simply stand this morning. Don't faint. Because scripture tells us God will not be mocked. There is a harvest coming because of what you're doing. There's a harvest coming because of your prayers. There's a harvest coming because of your sacrifice. So don't quit now. Don't stop now. God will not be mocked. Don't faint now. We know the famous verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But a few verses before in Isaiah, he says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. As we stand this morning. I feel conviction in my spirit. I know I need to progress. I'm not saying go back to who you first were as a Christian. No, there should be progression. But I'm here to challenge you today to look back. John writes to the church at Revelation and tells them he prays that their eyes would be opened. It's my prayer simply today that my eyes would be opened. Lord, am I still running the way I started this race? Lord, is my passion, has, has it begun to to fade away. Lord, maybe my prayer, maybe I've, I've allowed prayer to be edged out of my life more than it should. Maybe the sacrifice isn't there. I've got a whole lot of reasons why I can and can't do something. But you know what? If I want to be a part of what God's calling us to do, I'm going to finish the race the way that it was started. And I'm here today to challenge you. If you've been running the race and you're feeling faint, you're in the place to be this morning. Because there's plenty of people that can help you stand this morning. You're not going to fall over, but there's strength in this place for you here today. I want us to pray right now. And I want us to pray that the Lord will open our eyes. Lord Jesus, we come before you.